You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, it's Sasha from Sheep Spot. I'm a spinner, spinning teacher, and a dyer. And SheepSpot offers diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make those fibers into beautiful yarns. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about the fine wools. I will cover breeds to look for, washing and prep suggestions, some tips and tricks for spinning these fibers, and some advice about how best to use them. So let's dive in. My kitten, Miles, is... uh, He's here to help me out. He just wants me to know that. Uh, All right, let's start with what makes a wool a fine wool. So fine wools are wools with a fiber diameter uh, less than 25 microns. So most people can wear them next to the skin. They are distinguished by a very fine crimp that's even all the way across the lock and by a rectangular kind of blocky lock structure. So typically all the fibers in the lock are the same length. What are the breeds that are considered by most people to be fine wools? Um, the granddaddy of all the fine wools is the Merino, and they were developed in Spain in I think the 14th or 15th century. And they are the sheep that grow the finest wool in terms of diameter. So all of the other breeds in this group are breeds that have lots and lots of merino in their genetics. One of the other corma, one of the other, (laughs) one of the other cormos, one of the other fine wools, um, that is distinguished by uh, a real kind of spongy quality and very, very fine fibers is the Cormo. There's also the Rommeldale and the CVM. Uh, these are basically the same breed. Um, the CVM is a colored strain of the Rommeldale, and this is a breed that was developed in California in, I think, the 60s and 70s. There's the Polworth. And Polworths were developed in Australia, I believe, possibly New Zealand. I should really know that. Um, but anyway, they're not a North American breed. Uh, although, and there, and there aren't many Polworths in North America, but Polworth wool is pretty common and easy to find. I'm going to talk about that a bit in a minute. And then there are the Rambouillet and the Targi and those uh, Rambouillet is originally a French breed, but it does really well in uh, North America, particularly on the Western Plains. And then there's Targi, which has lots of Rambouillet in its background, and Targis were actually developed in Idaho in, in the U.S. Now, you can sometimes find fleeces from other breeds, breeds that would usually be characterized as medium wools that fall under 25 microns. 
and that share the same type of crimp, the same type of crimp and lock structure. So you can, you can sometimes find bonds or Corydales that you can find individual fleeces from those breeds that would behave and look a lot like fine walls, even though as a whole, the breed is usually classified as a medium wall. Now, let's talk about finding these breeds uh, in commercially prepared form. Maybe you want them uh, hand-dyed or maybe you want them uh, commercially dyed. So the most widely available of the fine wools commercially is going to be Merino, just because there are so many of them and there's so much Merino wool. And so it's uh, relatively inexpensive. It, it can be processed in huge lots, which brings the price down. And it's widely available from wholesalers, which means the dyers can get our hands on it relatively inexpensively. So, so you will find lots and lots of hand-dyed merino. You'll also find lots of commercially uh, dyed merino. That's merino that's dyed in huge vats, in huge lots, and then actually uh, blended on the carters, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> blended on the carters after it's been dyed. So you can get a very, very uniform color that way. That's widely available. And then some processors like Ash Ashland Bay does these blends of different colored fibers that uh, it processes together into top and you get a kind of tweedy effect from those. Some of those are very lovely. Um, the other breed that is widely available commercially is the Polworth. And there are Polworths in South America, in Australia, New Zealand, and also in the Falkland Islands. That's where I get the Polworth that I dye. It originally comes, I don't get it from the Falkland Islands, but it originally comes from the Falkland Islands. And uh, lots of dyers have taken up <clears throat> Polworth and are working with it. It's a really lovely wool. It tends to be less fine than merino, but it has a, a really nice body to it. It's a fun spin and it's also more beginner friendly than merino, which is something I'm going to get into a little bit later. Just stopping to drink some water there. Um, <clears throat> now, sort of less widely available than merino and Polworth but still, you can find it if you're looking for it, are Rambouillet and Targhee. And these are both wonderful, wonderful wools. I carry them both a cheap spot. I love dyeing them. They take dye wonderfully. And Rambouillet is, has this wonderful kind of bounce to it. It's hard to describe exactly what I mean, but it's, it's really resilient. So you press down on it and it just pops right back up. It's, it's, it's fine. It's interesting. It's just a really beautiful wool. I love it. And Targi, which has lots of Rambouillet in its background is 
also just a wonderful wool. Again, typically not quite as fine as uh, some of the finer grades of Merino, but it really brings a lot to the party because it's just got so much life to it and so much bounce. So if you haven't tried those wools, I would absolutely suggest that you run, do not walk. Um, now, it's more unusual to find Rommeldale and CVM in prepared form just because they are so rare. There just aren't a lot of sheep and uh, processors, there's just not enough wool available for the big processors and wholesalers to process it in big lots. So I, I can't think of actually anyone who is dying Rommeldale CVM in processed form. And I might be wrong about that, but I, I, I have some roving in the shop, um, which is quite nice, some CVM roving, but I can't think of anywhere else that I've seen it. Let me know if you've seen it. Um, the other one, the other fine wool that's relatively unusual to find in processed form is Cormo. And that's because, again, Cormo uh, can be a little tricky to process. If you do find some processed Cormo and you want to try it out, you probably want to be looking for comb top rather than roving because uh, one of the ways in which Cormo is tricky to process is that it's very apt to form neps during carding. And so a, a Cormo roving is likely to be quite neppy. If it's then put through the extra step of being combed, the combs will remove a lot of those neps. So you'll probably be in better shape there. Now, what if you're interested in trying these wools as fleeces rather than as commercially prepared wools? I want to talk a little bit about washing these uh, wools. So the first thing that you need to know about the fine wools in terms of getting ready to wash them is that they have lots of grease. So they're the greasiest group of fleeces, lots of lanolin. Those fine, really fine fibers need lots of grease to kind of coat them and protect them and prevent them from felting on the sheep. That's what lanolin and, and the rest of those secretions that make up what we call the grease, that's what they do. And you'll find Oh, Zora's here. You'll find lots of... Zora's my cat, in case you don't know. And she wants everyone to know that she's here and she enjoys being fav famous on the interwebs. Um, <clears throat> so what was I saying before you arrived, Miss Thing? I was saying fine wools are greasy. So fine wools are greasy and you may be... You may find that you need to give them an extra wash. Um, so my standard kind of washing procedure for most fleeces is I use unicorn power scour, which I think is fantastic and does a fantastic job. And I typically do two washes and two rinses in very, very hot water. With a fine wool, I will almost always do three washes and two rinses just to give uh, give myself an extra chance to get that remaining lanolin out. Um, 
because if it stays on the fleece, you may find that when you, when you get around to processing it, that it's quite sticky and it's, it'll just be difficult to work with and difficult to spin. And you don't want that. So, um, so that the first thing is just be prepared to, um, maybe take an extra step. The other thing about grease weight in the fine wools is that it may actually add up to 50% or so of the weight of the fleece. So you may start out with, say, a five-pound fleece, wash it, let it dry, weigh it, and discover that it only weighs two and a half pounds. So if you are planning for a big project in particular, say a sweater, you will want to make sure that you start off with enough fiber to yield the amount that you need for the project. So in terms of, of actually doing the washing, you probably will want to think about your prep a little bit before you start to wash the fleece. Or you can do what I often do when I'm washing fleeces, which is just wash a little bit of it. Um, try and prep it in different ways, see what's sort of working best, spin a few samples, and then go back with that knowledge and wash the rest of the fleece. And here's why I say that. Um, fine wools do really well washed using what Beth Smith calls the tool sausage method. And I'll provide a link to uh, an article in which she describes this method. It's basically um, separating the locks, laying them out on a piece of netting or tool, and folding them up into a little sausage, and then washing them in those little wrapped kind of packages. And if you are wanting to produce a really sort of perfect worsted yarn. You're going to comb these locks by hand and you're going to spin the worsted. The tool sausage method is really ideal because it it is the way that you can be absolutely sure that the lock structure is not going to be disrupted in the washing. Um, <clears throat> but it's a lot of work. So you might want to actually try combing the fleece and spinning it to make sure that you're really committed to that method. Um, if, if the preservation of the lock structure is a bit less important, you're willing to maybe have a little more waste in combing or you're planning on um, flicking the locks or carding them, then I would recommend washing the fleece in lingerie bags. Those are those net bags that people use to wash, um, you know, bras or sometimes sweaters. So when I am washing a fleece, I always use uh, the lingerie bags. I just find it's the, the quickest and easiest for, for me. And you do get good preservation of the lock structure that way, as long as you handle the bags carefully. Um, but normally when I'm washing another kind of fleece, so not a fine wool, I will pack those bags pretty full. Uh, whereas with a fine wool, I want there to be more space so that the water can, and the, and the 
uh, power scour can really surround those fibers. So I will put less into an individual lingerie bag than I would if it were, say, a down breed. <clears throat> so that's just something to be aware of that you really want uh, to have some space in there to get at that grease. So let's talk about prep. Um, I think the most important thing when you're preparing your own fine wool fleece for spinning is not to overprocess it. So these are delicate fibers and overprocessing can cause breakage, it can cause naps, it'll contribute to your processing waste. So just be a little gentle. Um, and also be aware that some of these wools don't react so well to carding. Cormo, I'm looking at you. I've already mentioned this a couple of times. Um, in my experience, Targi and Rambouillet can also nap in carding pretty easily, um, though not as easily as Cormo. So if you're determined to card these wools in particular, use the finest cards you can get your hands on and proceed gently and slowly. Especially with Cormo, you may get better results flicking the locks and then spinning from the fold if you want a more woolen yarn. And see episode four for a discussion of woolen and worsted and a cheat sheet on the differences and best uses. So all of these wools will spin beautifully if they are flicked or combed. So you've got your, either your prepared fiber or your, um, your commercially prepared or your hand prepared fiber from the fine wool group. Let's talk about some spinning suggestions. So my first suggestion is if you're a new spinner, don't start with Merino. Um, and ask me how I know. Uh, here's the story of my first experience spinning Merino. I bought my first wheel in 2009 in the fall and I had taken spinning lessons that summer on a wheel, but I didn't have one to practice with. So I was a really, really new spinner. I had, you know, spun maybe four or five times when I bought my wheel and I went to the Vermont Fiber Festival. It was a very rainy day. I remember this distinctly. It was the day before my birthday. And my ladybug, <clears throat> Esme, was at the Vermont Fiber Festival. So I, I bought her and took her home. And she was a present from my husband. And I was traveling at the time. And I was staying with some friends in Vermont. And so I got my wheel back to their house. And I was so excited and I had not, I'm not sure really what, what my thinking process was like. I, I think the wolf fumes were really just, I was overcome um, because it did not occur to me to buy some processed fiber at the festival. I, it, this makes no sense. I did buy a Coopworth fleece at the festival, <clears throat> but I had no prep tools with me and I couldn't really wash a fleece in my friend's house. So... I needed something to spin. And of course, I was desperate to start using my wheel. So I did some Googling and I found some places sort of within driving distance that sold spinning fiber. 
but they were all LYSs. They weren't really spinning places. And so they didn't have much of a selection of spinning fiber. And in fact, what they had was Merino. Um, And so I bought some Merino and I tried to spin it. And it was, it was just disastrous. It was so frustrating and upsetting. And I just could not, I mean, I was able at that point to spin a continuous piece of yarn. I was, I was not a good spinner. I was not a very experienced spinner, but I was able to do that. But this merino was just so slippery and had so little body as so much um, processed merino does because a lot of it is actually really over-processed that it was, I just couldn't get a grip on it. And I, I might actually get really brave and show you a picture of that first merino yarn that I made, which is um, an object of great hideousness. I think I still have it though. Um, so I just thought, oh my God, you know, I can't do this at all. It, I just, you know, bought this wheel. What am I going to do? And then I got my hands on some BFL and I tried to spin that. And suddenly I was able to spin a continuous thread again. And so I just bought a big whack of BFL in different colors and I spun it for six months. I spun nothing but BFL for six months every day. I made myself spin every day. And the yarns that I made were not beautiful, but they were yarns. So um, if you are having trouble with Merino, just leave it try something else, come back to it. Um, Now, I think Polworth, Rambouillet, Targi would all be much more beginning-friendly places to start. Um, And so definitely find some Polworth. It's easy to find and work with that. Or try some BFL and work up to the fine walls. Um, The other thing about spinning these walls is that... They're delicate fibers. They're fine fibers. That's why you want to use them, right? You want to use them because they're going to feel good next to your skin. Um, But because they're delicate, they're much more likely than other types of wools to break and thus to pill. And so if you're making, if you're planning on spinning for a project that's going to get some use to it and is going to encounter some abrasion, then you probably want to add a bit more twist as you're spinning um, to make the yarns a bit stronger. In general, more twist equals stronger yarn, less pilling, but it tends to give the yarn a, a somewhat harsher hand. Um, With the fine wools, the softest and cushiest yarns are also the ones that are the most likely to pill. And lots, there's lots of merino out there on the market that is, and I mean millspun merino yarns, um, that are really made for appeal in the skein much more than they are for use in projects that are going to get any kind of abrasion. Uh, so that's just something always to be thinking of when you're, when you're spinning your own yarns and also when you're buying commercial yarns 
that those really lovely, soft, cushiony merino yarns that you just want to curl up with um, are also just going to be pill city probably because they don't have much twist and there's just not enough twist to hold the fibers in place. And also the fibers are, because they're so um, fine, they can break and form pills. In terms of project suggestions, again, you want to be using these wools for things that are going to be worn next to the skin. Um, they're also perfect for baby clothes. And that's a situation in which you can really go with the, with the softest thing you can find because it's not going to get a lot of wear. The baby's going to outgrow it before it can really suffer any abrasion. So um, <clears throat> for, for sweaters, if you're spinning for a sweater and you're working with a fine wool, think about adding a bit more twist. Um, spin some samples and then actually knit swatches with them and see how the, rub the swatches and see how they stand up to abrasion. Um, and again, it's you're we're always making in yarn making, we are always trading off between softness and sturdiness. And you, I mean, the great thing about spinning is you get to make your own decisions about that. Um, but you should go into that knowing that you know, either you're going to have a somewhat um, sturdier yarn that feels less soft, or you're going to be working with your sweater shaver or your gleaner or your sweater stone all the time. So just be aware. Um, I think that's it for me this week. Thanks so much for joining me. If you would review the show on iTunes, if you're enjoying it, I would really appreciate that. And follow me on Instagram where I'm Sheepspot. I hang out there. That's my favorite social media platform. I hang out there a lot. Um, next week, we're going to dive even deeper into the fine wools with a breed spotlight on one of my absolute favorites, Rambouillet. And I will talk to you then. Thanks. Bye-bye.